Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast for this week. Hope you're doing well wherever and whenever you are. Every week we have in-person church. I like to record a special podcast-only version of the Sunday Sermon. And if you want to come and hear an in-person version of the Sunday Sermon, well, you'd have to come in person. Come and visit us. We meet upstairs at the Juicy Goose Cafe in Smeaton Grange. Head to our website. Find us on Facebook, Instagram. Be great to have you come and visit us and get to know us and join the journey of everyone church, church planting. Not everyone can say they're part of a church plant. It's an exciting, exciting adventure, and I hope you can join us. And I feel like uh, over the last number of weeks at our church that... The Lord might be trying to say something to us as a body of people, equipping us to get to work for Him. When I look back, uh, early October, I shared, I really felt to share on you know, the harvest and finding a person of peace. And then Pastor Jack came along a couple weeks ago and shared about turning whole, uh, common ground into holy ground. And then last week we shared about, you know, putting the yoke on, the yoke of Jesus. We're learning to walk and work with him and I just want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit that He might be wanting to do something really special with this family of people at Everyone Church. And you know, there are seasons for everything. We are on a little by little journey as a church, and as a church, we need to crawl before we walk, before we run. And we're learning what God would have us do in this next season. So I want to read from Nehemiah chapter three today. Nehemiah chapter three. And before I do the, the book of Nehemiah, some context. It's the last historical recount in the Old Testament. It records the history of God's people returning to Jerusalem for the third time after captivity, and it's largely focused on the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. And Nehemiah, he's an interesting guy, took up a job as the cupbearer for the king of Persia, which sounds really good, but his job was mostly to taste all the wine, taste all the food, before the king ate it, just in case it was poisoned. So um, pretty pretty risky job. But Nehemiah hears that the walls in his hometown uh, were not being rebuilt. They're in disrepair. And he asks King Artaxerxes if he can go and and basically help the rebuilding. And, and Artaxerxes gives him full permission, and, and, and it's a great example of God using someone in a place of influence. But uh, the building starts, and we read this in... Nehemiah chapter 3. Now, it's a long chapter. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to read some snippets of it. It's riveting stuff. I hope you've got both hands on the wheel if you're driving, okay? Get ready for it. It says this, Then Eliashib, the high priest, and the other priests started to rebuild at the Sheep Gate. They dedicated it and set up its doors, building the wall as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated in the Tower of Hananel. Verse 2, people from the town of Jericho worked next to them, and beyond them was Zakur, son of Imri. The fish gate was built by the sons of Hassanah. They laid the beams, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. Okay, are you still with me? Let's move to verse 6. I'm just going to give you some snippets of this chapter. It says this, the old gate was repaired by Joiada, son of Pesiah, and Meshulam, son of 
Besodia. Verse 7, next to them were Meladia from Gibeon, Jadon from Moranoth, people from Gibeon and people from Mizpah, the headquarters of the governor of the province of the west of the Euphrates River. Verse 8, next was Uziel, son of Hariah, a goldsmith by trade who worked on the wall. Beyond him was Hananiah, a manufacturer of perfumes. Okay, let's move to verse 14. Are you still with me? Are you awake? It's, 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 we're, we're, we're moving quickly here, but it's, it's, it gets better and better. Verse 14, the dung gate was repaired by Milkajah, son of Rechab, the leader of Beth Hakarim district. He rebuilt it, set up his doors, and installed its bolts and bars. The fountain gate was repaired by Shalom. Okay, let's move on to verse 18. Next down the line were his countrymen, led by Benoi, son of Hanadad, the leader of the other half of the district of Kila. Next to them was Ezer, son of Jeshua, the leader of Mizpah, repaired another section of the wall. Across- I feel like I'm reading a Lebanese restaurant menu, but you get the point. We get to the last verse. It says this, the other goldsmiths and merchants repaired the wall from the corner to the sheep gate. Deep breath. Okay. I'm not going to tell you how many takes that took me to read those names and not make a mistake, but let's pray. Okay. We need prayer. Lord, thank you for this moment together on the podcast. I pray that you'd help us learn something really special from Nehemiah chapter three. A few years ago, I um, had the privilege of writing and directing and being part of a Christmas concert film. I was the creative and worship pastor and events pastor at Imaginations Church or Sending Church. And it was the pandemic. Uh, There was restrictions. We couldn't have more than a certain amount of singers singing at once in the room. So we had to pre-record choir and put them on a screen. It was, it was, it was crazy. It was chaotic, but it, it was fun. Nonetheless, we, we, we ended up making this like hour and 20 minute Christmas concert film. It was about 12 or so songs, and a short film about a clown who can't find a Christmas concert because of pandemic restrictions, which sounds ridiculous because it is ridiculous. In fact, Ben Tuft, who is part of our church now, was part of that film. He was the star of the show, and it was filled with silly humor, and it was really, you know, looking back on it, it was kind of like a a testament to a very unique period of history uh, doing a Christmas film because we wanted to do something for Christmas, a mountain of work. It involved a lot of people. And we actually ended up using that same film the following year in 2021 as our first Everyone Church outreach at the uh, United Cinema in the Relin Town Center, which is pretty cool that we got to use get, get two years worth of outreach out of it. But I was asked a number of times uh, after, you know, when we did screenings, people would ask me, hey, what's your favorite part of the film? What's your favorite song? What's your favorite scene? And as someone who was there from scribbles on my whiteboard to notes in my phone to every bit of filming, uh, editing, mixing, remixing, re-editing, along with Callum and Katie and, and a bunch of team that helped us, my favorite part of the film, without a doubt, was the end credits. Now, that's not because I was happy for it to be finished, but because I loved to see the huge mountain list of names. And I remember typing them up and, and, and watching them for the first time. And it was very emotional. Every screening, even the next year in the United Cinema in the Rell and watching the, the credits and just being so grateful, uh, you know, where the crowd was focused on moving out of the cinema and moving on, I was just like amazed to see all the names of people in the midst of a pandemic that saw the work 
and saw it was worth doing and worth being part of. And this is essentially what we read here in Nehemiah chapter 3. It's like the credit list. If you read the whole chapter, it's just name after name, family after family of people who did a great work for God of rebuilding the walls in Jerusalem, a team effort, a list of people who saw God was wanting to do something and saw that it was worth being part of. Like, do you stay for the end credits in the movies or when you finish a video game, you just want to skip it? I know if it's a Marvel movie, you want to stay, right? Because there might be an extra scene. But often we overlook these type of things. But I love that the Bible records all these names because we learn a couple of key things from books like Nehemiah and chapters like this. Number one is we learn that nothing is insignificant when it's a work for the Lord. Nothing is insignificant when it's the Lord's work. And the second thing we learn is that every name matters. Every name matters. When it comes to doing God's work in our city, in our lives, nothing is insignificant and every name matters. I think it's important for us to understand that what we are a part of is bigger than the part we play. And what we do, we do unto God for the purposes of God, for the glory of God, and for the sake of people, which pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? We do this for the glory of God and for the sake of people, to reach everyone for Him and for His glory. When Nehemiah heard about the state of his city, it says that in the Bible that he lamented, he mourned, he was shattered, he was really upset at the state of his city. And he had a burden for it. Now, I want to ask us today, do we have a burden for our city? Do do we have a sense of being shattered for the state of our surroundings? You know, did you know that Oren Park has the highest rate of domestic violence in New South Wales? Now, I know not everyone in our church lives in Oren Park. In fact, only a couple families do. But there's a glimpse of, you know, the state of our area, our region, Like, don't confuse all the new houses and infrastructure for health. Like, the shops are full, but the hearts are often empty and carrying a lot of burdens, right? And my prayer is that we would see, like Nehemiah saw his city, and that we would have a burden for our city, that we would have a desire to see God's kingdom come and His will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in Camden as it is in heaven, in Gregory Hills, Catherine Field, Mount Annan. Harrington Park, The Grove, uh, Eldersley, Leppington, even Cobbity, even Cobbity with all the horses and stuff. Look, my prayer is that we would have a sense of looking around and, and realizing that, hey, we need to be part of this work of building God's kingdom in our region, in our city. And My prayer is also that we would count the work of God as something worth being part of. You know, we all have a part to play in God's great work. Now, our church isn't the only part of it. You know, there are many churches in our city that we believe God is raising up and and, and equipping for this great work. But for us, for every one church, for our church family, I believe God is building our church. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to be part of what God would want to do with this family of believers. And if you read Nehemiah, you you learn all sorts of interesting things about what happens when people work together for God. 
a couple things that happen. One is there's opposition. We read about that in Nehemiah chapter 4. There's opposition. Uh, there, there's a need to defend the work of God. There's even uh, infighting and complaining. There's a need for good strategic planning. All these things happen when you build something for God. There's there's a need for encouragement to the discouraged, you know, in the in the the midst of the work. Uh, there, there's financial stress and worry about provision. All these things happen in the book of Nehemiah. And I think most importantly, there's lots of prayer. Nehemiah cries out to God often, often in amongst all the challenges of doing this great work. To be honest, the more I think about it, the more it seems like Nehemiah sounds like church planting. Maybe church planting is is like building the walls of Jerusalem. You never know. But no great work for God is without work. It's It doesn't come without effort. But remember, nothing is insignificant when it's the Lord's work, and every name matters. I also love how it says throughout chapter 3, it says that, you know, this family built this, and next to them was this. You see, depending on the translation, but you see this this phrase, next to them was this family, and next to them was this family. What a beautiful picture of working next to each other, side by side. You know, we recently did a community barbecue, which might not seem like much to some of us, but, you know, it was a beautiful picture for me to see Pete and John standing next to each other, flipping sausages, and Cherie and Angie serving sausages, and Ben and Vilma and Candy and Ben and Ben. We have a number of Bens in our church. We should just call our church Every Ben Church. But the thing is, is nothing was insignificant about that day, and every name mattered to God. Absolutely. Often our motivation to contribute to God's work is dependent upon how we view God's work. Like, for example, people look at church all sorts of ways. Some people view church like a shop, like it's consumer-driven. What, what can I get out of this? Oh, the, the coffee didn't taste good enough today. Or the preacher was boring. It's like, it's, it's, it's consumer-driven. Some people view church like a stadium where we all come, we sit at a distance, we watch, we consume the entertainment, as it were. We even keep score on each other. Oh, did you see so-and-so today? They were late. Oh, did you look? Oh, so they're having marriage troubles again. Oh, first half of church was good. Second half, I don't know what happened. Some people view church like a train. Like we're all here in close proximity and we're all kind of heading somewhere, but there's no teamwork. No one really cares for each other. Like I used to catch the train to the city every day for work and I never once thought, oh, I wonder if that guy's running late. I couldn't care less. I was there to get where I needed to go, and that's all that mattered, right? But there's still, there are some people, and I would say few, but I'm hoping that in our church, it's most of us, some people who view church like a lifeboat, like a family, something, we're here on a rescue mission. We're here to journey together. We're here to look out for one another. How do you view church today? And the big question I want to ask us as a church family is, if we were to roll the credits of every one church one day, this work of God, like if everyone church was to have its own chapter three one day in the book of everyone, <laughs> what would your contribution be? What would your name be on the list? Because in God's eyes, every name matters. It matters to God. It matters to Him. He sees. He knows. 
And I can see it now. I could list off names here. I think about the prayer warriors in our church, the the Evans family who pack up everything in a, in a, in a hurry after every Sunday, and it's fantastic to see the culture that it's stirred up in our church of, hey, let's all pick up our chairs and pack up and have fun while we're doing it. Think about Sheree and Angie. They're like our adopted church moms. Dave and Vilma, Ben and Haley, Mick, Red. I, I could just list name after name after name and, and the contribution that they bring. What contribution do you bring? Would your name be on the list? How about this? Fill in the name, dash, financial giver. Fill in the name. They were a connect group leader. Fill in the, fill in the name. They were a, a, a missions maniac. Every name matters. Every name matters. And if your name isn't on the list today, but you want it to be, well, start contributing. Let, let us know how... You know, ask the question, how can I help? Uh, we would love to get you involved in this work because, you know, just like in Nehemiah's day, there was gaps in the wall that they were building. There's gaps in the wall at our church. Uh, and we do our, I, th- I actually think we're quite a well-run, smaller church, but there are things that we have dreams to build, you know, in the future. I think about our big carols event coming up. It's going to take a group effort. I can't wait to roll the credits after that and 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 thank name after name of people who God saw bring work that was not insignificant. No work is insignificant in God's eyes when it's for Him. And every name matters. Amen. I just want to encourage us today to, hey, let's let's get on board next to each other. Let's work together to build a great work for God in our city. Amen. I can hear an amen in my headphones. Hopefully that's from you. And speaking of lists of names. Maybe you're listening to our podcast today and you're not a Christian. Well, you know, in the book of Revelation, it talks about how there's this book. It's called the the Lamb's Book of Life. And Jesus will open up the Lamb's Book of Life. And in there will be listed all the names of people who put their faith in Jesus and will enter eternity with Him. Is your name on that list? And you might ask the question, well, how do I get How do I get in the Lamb's Book of Life? Well, you get there by putting your faith in Jesus. You know, in a moment of faith in Jesus and giving your life to Him, three things happen. One is your sins are forgiven. In a moment, your sins are forgiven. Second thing is you enter a friendship with God. You can know your Creator intimately. You can know Him and walk with Him day by day. And the third thing is you are written in that book of life. You will enter eternity with Him forever. So you gain forgiveness, friendship, and forever with Him. And if you want to make that decision today on this podcast, why wait? Do it right now. As I pray this prayer, I want you to make it your prayer and say it to God in your heart. It goes like this. Dear Jesus, I pray to you today and I ask you to forgive my sin. I give my heart to you. I believe in you. I believe you came and that you gave your life on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose again, and today I receive by faith your forgiveness and friendship. I thank you that I will enter heaven one day to be with you forever. Help me on this journey of following you. Amen. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, head to our website, send us a message. Come and visit us at church. We'd love to give you a Bible and help you on that journey of following Jesus. Hey, come on, church. Let's get to work. Let's do a great work for God. Every name matters. Have a great week. Love me the way